0: What is going on everyone? This is Miles Dompierre and welcome to the 90th episode of Xbox Chatterdays and this year's Xbox Chatterdays Holiday Special. Today I'm stoked to be joined by you. That's right. You heard me right. You are my special guest on this episode. Uh, Community has always been a huge part of this show, so I was trying to think of ways we could do something fun to kind of celebrate the end of 2022 going into the new year. So we're going to be doing some fun community-centric stuff with the people watching live on youtube.com slash Miles We're going to be diving into the latest developments regarding the FTC's stance on the acquisition activision blizzard king acquisition we're going to be talking about kojima's mad new xbox exclusive and then we're going to be discussing the best and worst video games of the year 2022 so some quick housekeeping for those tuning in how this is all going to go down and if you haven't seen Xbox Chatterdays now has a a shiny new Discord. So you know again late to the game here, but Xbox Chatterdays now has a Discord. If you are interested in joining that Discord, there is a link in the description of this video that'll get you in there. There is a community Q and A live event being hosted in that channel right now. So as we cover the after we cover the the big news of the week, we're going to be turning to. 10 distinct categories for the best and worst video games of the year. I'm gonna share my picks, and then I'm going to turn to you, the community, to share your picks for each of these categories. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. You're actually gonna have your voice literally heard live. It's not gonna be me reading the answers. You are gonna jump on this show with me, and your voice is gonna be live, so we'll see how that goes. It's gonna be a fun experiment. It's gonna be wild. couple of rules if you are joining live. You know, keep it fun. Keep it light. Uh, don't, don't swear too much. Um, and that's about it. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun today. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Um, so as I said, you know, community is a big part of the show. Super chats, they're not something that are active. If you've been watching the last several episodes, you know we have a, an alternative in the interim. If you have a burning question or comment you want everyone to see or have read, uh, you can use the link streamlabs.com slash tip. I will drop that in the chat right now. So as we go into this episode and as we wrap up the year here um you know i guess i'm going to take a little moment to be cheesy and be a, be a little sappy um cuz it's been a really interesting year it's been a pretty wild year you know it's been a roller coaster in a lot of ways um there's been a lot of really extreme highs and then there's been some disappointing developments in the last several months surrounding the whole games industry as a whole um so going into next year i will not be doing any video work for Windows central um there's been some budget changes. There's been a lot of, you know, disruption behind the scenes, and I'm just not going to be doing any any video content and a lot less content in general for Windows Central. Uh, if you've been following me, if you're familiar with my work over on Windows Central, uh, you'll you know I was brought on to build up the Windows Central Gaming YouTube channel, and that was kind of my primary function for the last several years was investing in that and building that up. And in a relatively short period of time, we. I felt like we had some really great success and so obviously it's a bit of a bummer to know that that's that momentum and that energy is you know at least for the interim put on pause uh and it's hard to get that momentum back realistically as as we know so yeah moving into next year i'm not going to be doing any any video work for windows central so just want to let everyone know kind of where i stand there still technically we'll be working there but you'll start seeing my stuff pop up on um some other outlets as well so just want to take a minute to thank. Everyone who supported that channel so much. Um, that was, that was so much fun. That was such a great experience. I met so many great, amazing people through that. And, um, I just want to pre, and I really want to give a huge shout out to everyone who's supported this channel, supported my my new endeavor here. And it's, you know, in hindsight, yeah, probably should have started it sooner. You know, it is what it is. Uh, there's only so much you can do, but I'm, I've am i been so excited to see so many people excited about what I'm doing on this channel, and to see the support, and to see people tune in and, and show up and, and get excited about what I'm doing, it really means a lot. So to everyone who's kind of followed me over here on youtube.com slash milesdampierre, thank you. I mean, it just really means a lot As as there's been a lot of weird disruption and uncertainty for me over the last couple months cuz it's been you know every single week a new development and i've just haven't really known what the, what exactly the future holds so yeah just wanted to talk about that address that publicly here um and i just want to thank everyone who's tuning in live who's listening after the fact who's watching after the fact um because your encouragement your 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 kind words all of that really goes so far and and does so much to keep me excited and motivated about what I'm doing over here. So, so thank you. Thank you all so much for what you do. Um, All right. So let's talk about the first big topic this week. Uh, I'm going to transition here. Boom. What's up? Yeah. Rolling the show live, hosting, doing it all, baby. Let's, let's rock and roll. So the first thing I want to talk about this week is Kojima's, quote, mad Xbox exclusive. So it was long rumored that Kojima was collaborating with Microsoft on an Xbox exclusive. And there were some people who said, you know, Kojima wouldn't do that. He's loyal to PlayStation. And there's been a lot of, you know, discourse surrounding Kojima and Xbox over the course of the last, I would say, year and a half. And then earlier this year at the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, Microsoft came out on stage and they confirmed the long-rumored project between Hideo Kojima and Xbox. There's been a lot of rumors and speculation about what this is. This project, you know, was rumored to incorporate cloud features. It's, incorpor- it's rumored to be really innovative and and out there. And on the official front, we haven't got confirmation of what this game is. Because if you watch the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, Kojima came out on stage and he said, Yeah, I'm working with Xbox. And they're letting me do something I've wanted, always wanted to do. And that was pretty... That was Officially, that was it. So not a lot of information officially on this project. So... In an interview with IGN this week, Kojima sat down and and discussed the future of Kojima Productions, and we got some more insights into this project and this, this collaboration between Xbox and Hideo Kojima. So here's what he had to say when he was asked about working with Xbox on his new game. Quote, The project we're working on with Microsoft is one I have been thinking about for five or six years already. The project required infrastructure that was never needed before, so I discussed it with lots of different big companies and gave presentations, but they really seemed to think that I was mad. It was ultimately Microsoft who showed that they understood, and now we're working together on the project, including the technology front. Uh, what I love about this is that, you know, Kojima is a figure known for weird. He's he's had a track record and he's had a history of weird games weird gameplay mechanics and weird ideas So it's just funny to me imagine Kojima going to all these teams and just getting you know reject rejected You know this legendary figure is just getting rejected and Microsoft says, you know, all right, let's go You got a weird idea. We have the cloud infrastructure. Let's give it a try here. So Love that. I'm really excited to see what this project holds and you know given some of the weirdness that Kojima has leaned into in the past um I'm hoping this gets really weird. Uh I've been blanking on the name. He put out a DS game uh where the cartridge had like a solar panel in it and it was this vampire themed game <laughs> and it had to pl- it played with light and dark. So he he took the time to put a solar panel on this cartridge as part of the gameplay mechanics so those are the kind of weird ideas i love to see flourish and thrive so if people want to give kojima piles of money to be weird let's go and microsoft as we know they're looking to invest heavily they're looking to take some risks they're looking to shake things up so it sounds like this is a good partner for kojima's unique brand of weirdness so it sounds like as we get more info from this interview that the the cloud is what really solidified this deal for Kojima. And here's what he had to say about that. With Microsoft's cutting edge cloud technology and the change in the industry's trend, it has now become possible to challenge myself to make this never before seen concept. It may take some time, but I'm looking forward to teaming up with with Xbox Game Studios and hope to bring you some exciting news in the future. So there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, when we might see this because the timing was interesting ahead of the last Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase because there were some leaks surrounding a Kojima Productions project. Um, the the working name or the name that was leaked was Overdose. And apparently there was a trailer or some gameplay floating around that some people posted and Kojima Productions team reached out to them to ask them to take it down. Um, so there's been a lot of you know speculation that this project could be this overdose title, which looks to be a horror game. So there is a, a potential possibility where Kojima's cloud-based project is the, you know, the long fabled, the long wanted Kojima foray into the horror space. And as a huge horror fan, let's go, baby. Let Let's go. I'm all about that idea. Really excited to see what comes from this collaboration. And I'm wondering if we'll get some sort of information whether it be like a a teaser trailer of some kind or more details later on this year um because like i said the timing with the whole overdose leak and then microsoft coming out on stage and having kojima just talk about the project we don't have a name we don't have a code name we have we have no information officially really outside of the fact that it's leveraging the cloud so i'm hoping that as we move into 2023 we'll get some more details on what this project is a couple of super chats here from the amazing people join us. We got Jacob Novik. Novik. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, Merry Christmas. A question. Can we see Xbox? Can we see Xbox, which have sold 20 million according to VG Charts, outsell PS5 in total sales? 28 million according to VG Charts. If 2023 they deliver every game they promised. Wow, Jacob Novik coming in with a big question. A hot question that says basically. Is there a world where Microsoft can outsell the PS5, this generation, if they start to deliver? We've seen a lot of momentum. We've seen a lot of growth from Xbox, from Xbox sales, from Xbox Game Pass, and the kind of stark and harsh reality is they haven't really delivered a lot in the way of must-play exclusives. We've had Halo Infinite, we've had Forza Horizon 5, um and then 2023 you know or 2021 in particular had some noteworthy standouts 2022 was pretty light we had pentiment we had grounded which are amazing games obsidian shout out to them for continuing to absolutely kill it but 2022 was light 2022 was a light light year for exclusives on the xbox front um 2023 is poised to be a lot bigger and it's poised to have games like starfield which when you go online, when you look at community interest, when you look at the, the, the search metrics and algorithms, Starfield is shaping up to be a big old game, a massive game, and coming off the back of you know Skyrim. Skyrim, Fallout 76 had a rough launch, but it's kind of turned around a little bit. It's got good community reception. It's got a passionate, basically cult following at this point. So that game is still doing well, but Bethesda Softworks has this reputation for creating big, immersive worlds that people can get sucked into and people are really excited about starfield so yeah if they come out and starfield hits and is that that must play like elden ring or skyrim when that came out if you were you know around when skyrim dropped that was a moment every single person you knew that played video games even casually was talking about skyrim or was playing skyrim and i think that's going to be starfield but on on a bigger scale because at this point People are so hungry for the next Bethesda project that that's going to feed into that. So it's definitely going to take some time. I don't think it's going to be an instantaneous switch. Boom! Starfield drops and Xbox sells 20 million consoles in the span of a couple months. But that could be a big turning point. 2023 in particular could be a big turning point for what's next for Microsoft and and how they can start to close that gap. We've seen them close it. They are performing much better than the Xbox One generation, but you know ps5 has had a lot of compelling must-play titles and playstation's been aggressive when it comes to locking down exclusives on the the third party front so uh playstation is doing a lot and basically everything in their power to ensure that microsoft doesn't have the opportunities to close that gap uh at least very quickly but that being said there's a chance that we get much closer towards the end of 2023 especially if 2020 Three for PlayStation is light, which right now it's it's shaping up to be somewhat light. We know Spider-Man 2 is coming. We know they've locked down some exclusives like Final Fantasy 16, um, Forspoken in particular. But outside of that, we don't really know what that slate looks like. So it's going to be interesting to see what 2023 looks like. We got a couple more super chats here from... All right. Nick W., who says, Merry Christmas, Miles. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. If you are watching live, it is Christmas Eve, so appreciate you hanging out, tuning in. If you missed my intro spiel here, we're going to be talking about the best and worst games of 2022. We're going to be taking calls from the community in this regard, so if you haven't and you want to join the Xbox Chatterdays Discord, there's a link in the description below. You can join the community Q&A channel, and as we get to that section of the show, I will be calling on you to talk live, putting you in the hot seat to make your case for these 10 different categories. One more super chat, and we'll move on to the next topic. Jacob Novick, again, appreciate it. It says, dumb that Phil Harrison rejected his game when he saw the, the concept, after one, concept one year after Phil approved his game because it was single player, and according to Phil, single players don't sell. Yeah, that... that There's been this roller coaster when it comes to the single-player narrative. You know, single-player games don't sell. Multiplayer games sell better. Everything needs to be a -a games-as-a-service ongoing game. And in some ways, if you can have a successful multiplayer ongoing game, that's kind of the case. Um, Because you have recurring revenue, you have investments, you have word of mouth. So you can say, hey, dude, I'm playing this. Hey, John, my buddy, my good buddy, I'm playing this. You need to be playing this. Whereas a single-player game, you do have that to some degree, but chances are, once you've played it, you're not actively playing it. So there's this shorter shelf life for, for what that could be in some cases. Obviously, there are single-player games that just explode and become this phenomenon. But that being said, there's just, generally speaking, more money to be made in multiplayer. And when these companies make statements like that, when these figures make statements like that, it's, it's not about they can't make any money. It's about okay. Well, this is going to make more money, and that's really what it's what it's all about for a lot of these people. Um, we got a a generous super chat from Hargi Chani who has tipped one hundred dollars. That is outrageous! Huge shout out to him. I just want I want to take a second shout out Hargi in general because. Not only is he hanging out in streams, not only is he hanging out in discords, this, this dude is constantly giving away games and chats. If you've hung out in streams, you'll see him dropping game codes. So be sure to support this dude. Be sure to give this dude a round of applause. And, and thank you so much for everything you do for the community as a whole. You are such a cool figure and such a generous figure in the community. And I, I, I greatly appreciate you. Um, all right. It's that time of the show. Where we gotta got talk about the acquisition, Blizzard King acquisition, and the latest updates. You know, I've, I've been joking the last several weeks that, you know, we're, we're getting close to the holidays. There can't be a lot of news on this front. You know, a lot of people have got to be winding down for the year. Getting ready to, you know, celebrate the holidays with their friends and family and all, all of that good stuff. So, there's not going to be much. And sure enough, every single week, there has been a pretty big noteworthy development here and there's been things to talk about and so we're going to talk about them it is it's the biggest story of 2022 regardless of your preference when it comes to the video games industry um this acquisition it's the biggest acquisition in video game history and it's been the biggest ongoing story in gaming by a lot so if you are unaware microsoft is trying to buy activision blizzard king for about 69 billion dollars big old fat pile of money when we when they announced they were trying to buy bethesda for 7.5 billion a lot of us were like wow that is a huge figure that is so much money i can't wrap my mind around that much money and then shortly after they they multiply that by 10 and say all right well here's what's next for us and so because of that Figures like PlayStation have been very vocally against it. There have been concerns from regulators about what this means for the industry. And there's been this learning curve where a lot of these regulatory bodies are trying to get up to speed with what this could mean, what the implications of this deal could mean for customers and consumers and the industry as a whole. So on the day of the Game Awards, which was a big buzzkill for Xbox, um, the FTC announced that they were gonna be filing a lawsuit essentially to, to stop this deal from happening. Since then, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of conversations from the community and from the industry as a whole. But Microsoft themselves haven't had too much to say in this regards. So Microsoft has announced or basically Microsoft has officially responded to the FTC. At this point, it's been roughly two weeks. Microsoft now has a response to the FTC's concerns regarding this deal. So part of the FTC's statement when they announced the lawsuit was that you know well you said you were going to keep Bethesda Games multi-platform and you didn't which was said in error. Uh, we've we've seen other like the EU come out and say no they never actually said that so that that was that claim was made in error. So in response to that claim, this is what Xbox had to say about Bethesda titles being exclusive. Xbox anticipates that three future titles redacted all of which are designed to be played primarily alone or in small groups will be exclusive to xbox and pcs so that's interesting that that's very very interesting so xbox has confirmed that the three future bethesda titles will be exclusive y'all so the big question is what are the three titles and why is the section redacted so we already know Bethesda, or sorry, we already know Starfield is gonna be exclusive. We already know Redfall is going to be exclusive. Some other question marks in terms of already announced projects. Elder Scrolls 6. That's been a big one. That's been a one a lot of PlayStation fans have been asking: will this be multi-platform? Or will Elder Scrolls 6 be exclusive? And since they haven't talked about exclusivity in particular, elder scrolls 6 i wonder if that's the third game here and the reason it's redacted or is it more is it stuff like indiana jones is it stuff like new ips we haven't seen up, or games that are completely unannounced we know bethesda and zenimax has a huge stable of teams working on a bunch of different projects so the three particular titles that they talk about um that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Um, but it kind of paints the picture that Microsoft, especially on the, the single player side or the co- smaller scale co-op side, they want those exclusives. They understand that they need those exclusives. With your ongoing multiplayer big games, I th- I'm of the camp that really those should be multi-platform. Where it makes sense and where you can do it, put them on everything. But I've talked about putting Pokemon Unite on everywhere. I don't care if it's on PlayStation. Sea of Thieves. Put that on playstation i don't care like it's it's obviously important to have the exclusives but when it comes to these big multiplayer hits these ongoing games that live and breathe by live and die by the community foster that community wherever they are but as we've seen and as we've seen from fans who are frustrated with the current state of xbox they haven't had a lot of compelling exclusives they haven't had a lot of system sellers if you will or or platform drivers if you will so People want those big exclusives. And it sounds like, on the Bethesda side, Microsoft, you know, is making it clear that those games will be exclusives. So, interesting to get that. Another part of this response was Microsoft, you know, addressing its... its position in the market if you will we've seen microsoft spend a lot of time talking about how they're the underdogs in this in this industry they're the underdogs in this space and you know we're in th- they're in third place you know, no, no matter how you want to look at it i know microsoft is huge microsoft makes a ton of money year over year over year but that being said microsoft is still in third place on the gaming side that is the reality of their business they've been working hard to correct that they've been working hard to get momentum but they are in third place so they are using that information to say listen all right even after this deal closes we're not going to be number one like that's not what this is about this isn't about us being the dominant space in the industry this is about us you know putting our gloves on and scrapping a little bit standing toe to toe with these juggernauts like nintendo and playstation because the reality is Nintendo and PlayStation just have a legacy over Xbox. They've been in the space longer. They're more synonymous with gaming, and they have bigger brand recognition in the gaming space. And that's the reality. So here's what Microsoft had to say about their, their position in the industry. Quote, A few companies, primarily located abroad, exercise outside influence in this industry. Xbox is not one of them. Xbox's console lags well behind Sony's and Nintendo's. While Xbox publishes games for consoles and PCs, it has far fewer popular exclusive games than Sony and Nintendo. And Xbox has almost no presence in mobile gaming, which is the largest and fastest growing segment of gaming. So Microsoft is saying, yo, not only are PlayStation and Nintendo way bigger than us, they have way more exciting exclusives. And, you know, a big part of this deal for us is, you know, growing our position in the mobile space, which. They released a pie chart. I wish I had that on the stream here, but if you haven't seen it, there's an interesting pie chart where Microsoft shows its little teeny slice of some of these segments. And the mobile segment, they have next to nothing. The mobile slice of the pie is n- minuscule. So I think really they can leverage that to kind of calm any concerns about this deal or calm some of the concerns about this deal because really, as Microsoft, the rumors of Microsoft building its own mobile storefront, they're trying to position themselves better. And if you can get Call of Duty mobile, if you can get Candy Crush, if you can get a couple of high profile mobile pops, that makes launching a storefront so much easier than launching a storefront and having Age of Empires mobile. I don't I don't know like what they currently have in development for the mobile space. So they're trying to correct that. And so I think that's a, a good way to phrase this. And as as we look at the comments from, you know, PlayStation and from Xbox, really, they're doing what's best for the business obviously this deal will be huge for microsoft's business call of duty makes a lot of money candy crush makes a lot of money um they'll be able to be more consistent with their game streaming service they'll be able to put big high profile titles like call of duty in xbox game pass so this is a huge boon obviously it's expensive 69 billion dollars is a lot of money it's an absurd amount of money so they want to make sure that this deal goes through for those reasons. And PlayStation on the other side, this deal is not going to benefit them. It's only going to hurt them. It's, it's only, there's no, there's no world where this deal benefits PlayStation. Nintendo, they're getting Call of Duty, it sounds like, you know, at the end of this. So PlayStation or Nintendo hasn't been that vocal. And a lot of the other big industry publishers and figures haven't been that vocal because it's not going to directly impact them in a lot of ways. It's not going to negatively impact their business if Microsoft owns call of duty and for the players if you have xbox game pass in particular come on now you you can't tell me that paying less for call of duty is going to hurt customers and having the option to subscribe to a subscription service like xbox game pass is going to damage customers so whether or not this deal goes to to court you know we'll have to wait and see but the reality is microsoft has a lot of strong counters grounded in legality and logic that say well this deal is going to benefit a lot of people all right. Sure, it's not going to benefit your PlayStations of the world, but it is going to be- have the potential to benefit players. Um, now, if Microsoft goes and, and tries to like go back on some of this, this exclusivity or these price increases and we see Microsoft do any sort of things that these people have concern- were concerned about post this acquisition, then the next time around, it's going to be they're going to have that evidence to say, well, you said this and you didn't do this. But I don't think Microsoft is just casually saying any of this. They have every intention to keep Call of Duty multi-platform because mamma mia, that's just a lot of money that they get. And like I've said before, the main reason I don't care about whether or not Call of Duty is exclusive, sure, that would be huge. If we want to look at the old school mentality of the games industry and the old school mentality of business, bully people into submission, all right? You, you make Call of Duty exclusive, you say, too bad. You know what? This is the biggest first-person shooter franchise, and we have it. It's only on our platform. You want to play it by an Xbox. That's one way to do it. That is, that is one way to handle your business, and that is one way the businesses have operated. I used to work in sales and marketing in the alcohol industry in, in Los Angeles, which is the most cutthroat, aggressive market in, in the world, basically. And that was the mentality for a lot of people. Another mentality, which I think a lot of companies are understanding, is if you just have a more enticing offering and you can get that organic establishment of customers and growth, that is infinitely more valuable. When you can say, yeah, you know what? You can play Call of Duty on PlayStation. Cool. Do it. Have fun. Or if you jump on Xbox, you can play Call of Duty in Game Pass. And if you do that, we're going to give you a bunch of perks. We're going to give you season passes. We're going to give you exclusive skins. We're going to make sure that you, when you play Call of Duty on Xbox, you are getting the most out of your dollar. And you can pull people in and get them invested in the service, get them signed up for Xbox Game Pass. And then they say, oh, you know what? Xbox Game Pass is actually pretty cool. There's a lot of titles here that I wouldn't normally play or wouldn't normally buy. And then those those people who would normally just buy Call of Duty every year, they stay subscribed to Xbox Game Pass for the entirety of the year. They buy the They buy the DLC. They buy the expansions for Call of Duty. And they just are invested in your ecosystem. And as PlayStation has shown, it is hard as hell to pull someone out of that. If someone is established, they have that connection with the brand, they have that connection with the platform, they have that connection with the titles, that is next to impossible to eliminate. And that's just the the reality of the situation. And so Microsoft needs to be clever and Microsoft needs to make a worthwhile business model that isn't based on, in my opinion, spite or aggression, because... I guess aggression maybe is the wrong word. They can, they need to be aggressive when it comes to competing, but they don't. They shouldn't be aggressive about how they message that to the customer, because as we've seen with the Xbox One and Kinect, nobody likes to be forced to do anything. You know, we're we're all human. We we all have our flaws, and one of the critical flaws of being a human is sometimes you're spiteful. When somebody tells you you have to do this, no. I'm not doing it, I will not do it. And so that's the the position that Microsoft could be in if they try to play that card. And you know, some people might say, well, it's not fair, PlayStation does that, Nintendo does that, blah, blah, blah. And you know, sure, there's definitely some credence there, but the reality is Microsoft is in third place here and they need to work a little bit harder to steal some of that loyalty from PlayStation and Nintendo. So interesting development here interesting to see microsoft continue to comment on this and again as we get closer to the end of this deal um i do wonder whether or not this will go to court at all or if microsoft will have enough answers to satiate all of the critics of the deal all right uh, a couple more super chats appreciate y'all killing it love you thanks for hanging out thanks for tuning into the the holiday special the one-man show here and again as i touched on in this in the beginning of the show wanted to do something interesting and special with the community so i'm really excited to see how uh you pulling people live into the show works so again one more time if you are not in the xbox chatterday's discord find the link in the description join that discord join the community q a session and you will have a chance to come on the show live and talk about the best games of 2022. <laughs> Jacob Novick one more tip or one more super chat here says like the saying goes if Kojima talks you listen because even if you dislike his games Kojima is a mastermind. I myself even think that you as a CEO or dev is stupid and upright <laughs> Outright dumb if you reject Kojima if he ever <laughs> chose you. Yeah, Kojima is a polarizing figure. I'll be honest I I haven't loved every single one of his games um, but that being said I greatly and tremendously appreciate any figure who is willing to try new ideas and push the medium forward. We need it. We desperately need it. There are formulas that work and we see people milk those formulas over and over again. And then you have people saying, all right, well, what if we create a new formula? What if we completely flip a genre or flip a gameplay idea on its head and we create something entirely new? We need more figures like that. We desperately do. And Kojima is that. Whether you like all of his games or not, he is doing that and that's why I'm excited to see what comes comes out of this Xbox and Kojima project. And if it is a weird ass horror game with cloud features that immerse you in the experience in a way we haven't seen before, let's go, baby. Let's do it. All right, the next topic I wanna touch on here is another ongoing one. Um, This is another ongoing topic here. And I guess, let me, sorry, let me just give a huge shout out to all the people tuning in live. If you were watching the show live, thank you so much. Uh, Hit that like button, share it out. um, And let's talk about, will Final Fantasy VII Remake ever come to Xbox? So, as we touched on, PlayStation has been very aggressive when it comes to exclusives. They have been securing a lot of big, high-profile exclusives. And a lot of those have been, uh on the jrpg side a lot of those have been on the old uh, square enix side if you will and xbox fans are mad a lot of xbox fans are frustrated disappointed and you know i've seen people outright say they, they're going to outright boycott square enix because of how they've you know handled and and treated the xbox community and you know on on the flip side of this playstation is just leaning into final fantasy in particular so aggressively this generation final fantasy 7 remake Final Fantasy 16, baby, Forspoken. Not Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy Adjacent. Uh, Those are exclusive to PlayStation. And with Final Fantasy VII Remake being out um, for several years, people are wondering, where is it? Will it ever come to Xbox? And um, thanks to a filing with the CMA from Xbox, we've gotten more insights in the fate of these titles for Xbox. So here's what Xbox had to say about PlayStation's you know, aggressive approach to exclusives. Quote, in addition to having outright exclusive content, Sony has also, and also entered into arrangements with third-party publishers, which require the, the, the quote, exclusion of Xbox from the set of platforms. These publishers can distribute their games on. Some prominent examples of these agreements include Final Fantasy VII Remake, bloodborne and the upcoming final fantasy 16 and the recently announced silent hill 2 remaster so we've had a lot of you know speculations rumors conversations about you know what's going on behind the scenes why is xbox not getting some of these games it's safe to say that a lot of these high profile ones the ones that they listed here are because playstation is paying for exclusivity Whether they're paying to publish the games or they're paying for as xbox said for it to be excluded from the platform, PlayStation is strategically leaning into these third-party partners and saying, all right, we want this game on PlayStation. Here's a sack of money. Here's a big old sack of money to put it only on PlayStation. And so, another interesting question I'll pose to you and I'll kind of answer here is, what's stopping Xbox from doing the same? And should Xbox be doing the same? And this is something I've seen you know, real polar opposite you know, opinions on. A lot of people say, well, Xbox needs to be doing this. Xbox needs to be aggressive, and they need to lean into these third-party partnerships and say, all right, you know what? Well, PlayStation offered you this. We'll give you more. Because I, I know for a fact, the main reason that these companies get into these arrangements is not because they hate Xbox. It's because they're getting a bunch of money. <laughs> and that is a, a hard offer to turn down. Uh, I did an editorial recently. I've talked to a lot of figures behind the scenes. I unfortunately don't have a lot of official statements, comments because it's all complicated. There's NDAs, the legality, but you know, some of the sentiments that I've uncovered is that you know, it's scary. It's scary to publish a video game Um, There's no guarantee that a video game will ever do well. And when you're spending four to five years on a video game and you're investing years of your life and all of this money and all of these resources and it doesn't hit, oh my God, that puts your studio in such a horrifying, terrible position. And you have to figure out how you're going to fund the next game, where that money's coming from. And that constant pressure is just detrimental to the, to the environment of making video games. So when somebody like PlayStation comes to you and says, "All right, we're going to give you a bunch of money up front to pay for a lot of the the development or to offset a lot of the development." A lot of people, that's the reason they're doing it because it instantly alleviates that risk. It's a similar strategy with Xbox Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass says, "You know what, we understand that this is scary. We understand that this is pressure. Put your game day one in Xbox Game Pass and we're going to guarantee you X amount of money." On the game pass side we're seeing microsoft do very very similar things to playstation's exclusive approach here but a lot of fans think that microsoft can be more aggressive and i don't think there was anything necessarily stopping xbox from from countering these deals or bringing a more enticing deal to the table again we don't know if this was done in in the shadows this was a sneaky side deal and microsoft didn't know what was happening that could be the case I, i don't have any insights to any of that but that being said, there is a there, there is the world where Microsoft can you know offer third-party publishers that. It's a matter of, does Microsoft think that's worth the money? Does Microsoft think that's going to grow their business? And are they willing to throw down more than what Sony's offering? And one thing that PlayStation has done well, because they understand they don't have a huge stable of first-party studios that can constantly pump out several games per year that is one of the primary reasons they are so aggressive with these third-party deals is because they have to fill fill the gaps and so we get in a position with microsoft in 2022 where they don't have those big third-party deals and they don't have a lot of first-party output so then people say well xbox doesn't have any big exclusives for a year that's a huge bummer playstation on their side they will lean into those third-party deals and they'll say they'll make sure that whether it's first or third party, there's some there's some exclusives on their platform because they need them. So it is this really interesting dynamic we're seeing unfold here. The big question is, will Final Fantasy VII Remake ever come to Xbox? Uh, we've seen some editorials and we've seen some people just say that this is a definitive statement that they won't ever come to Xbox. Um, I don't really believe that that's what this wording indicates. We know that, you know, silent hill 2 is a one-year exclusive we don't know that it's coming to xbox that has not been confirmed final fantasy 7 remake similar situation we know it was a timed exclusive for playstation it's come to pc but it hasn't come to xbox i think the terms of final fantasy 7 have probably evolved as as playstation looked to lean into final fantasy more as they looked to l- lock down exclusivity for final Fantasy XVI. I I believe the deal could have evolved to basically shift that this is exclusive until this this full, this game this trilogy is complete. Once the trilogy is out, then then it can go to other platforms and I'm kind of starting to wonder if that's the reality of this situation. Again, I don't know definitively whether this will or will not come to Xbox but it's clear that PlayStation wants to make sure that those big high-profile pops for Final Fantasy are exclusive for as long as they possibly can. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how this all plays out and whether or not it will come to Xbox. I am of the of the camp that there is a possibility that it still could come, you know, whether I'm on Hopium or Copium, <laughs> however you want to phrase that. Um, I think there is a business reality uh, because... At this point, never say never. Remember when Dead Rising came to PlayStation? Remember when the Microsoft funded Dead Rising from Capcom came to PlayStation? Um, so I'm firmly in the camp that, you know, never say never in these situations because you don't really know how things are going to evolve, how things will change. The only way, in my opinion, this is definitively never coming to Xbox is if PlayStation buys Square Enix. <laughs> will they buy Square Enix? I don't know. Will PlayStation be forced to have concessions that make Final Fantasy multi-platform if they do? I don't know. But I guarantee with how annoying and loud PlayStation has been about Activision Blizzard, Microsoft is going to be banging the hell out of that drum on the flip side of this. So that's the pro and con. You know, PlayStation, obviously, they're doing what they need to do for their business. They're saying what they need to say for the sake of the business. But on the other side, you can bet your sweet ass that Um, people are going to be very loud when you try to do the same thing. So if, you know, PlayStation is trying to get Square Enix, I think it's going to be another ugly mess where Xbox comes out and say, hey, hey, hey now, wait a second. We just went through all this drama here, all right? We're bringing Call of Duty to more platforms on the other side. We're guaranteeing you Call of Duty for X number of years. Are you not going to extend the same offer for Final Fantasy? So I don't know. I'm really curious to see how that all plays out let me get caught up on some super chats here appreciate you hanging out appreciate you rocking um all right what do we got here the jstrom says miles bought my sister a series s she has a slow internet so i'm preloading games give me five game pass bangers to download she loves horror okay getting that series s i know i was very tempted to buy my sister a series s for the holidays as well because she's a big She's a big PlayStation fan, um, but we've been playing a lot of multi-platform stuff together, and she's been really interested in Game Pass, and a lot of her favorite games, like Dead by Daylight and For Honor, are in Game Pass, so she's like, oh damn, really? And so she's been, she's been actively looking, so I have been tempted, haven't pulled the trigger, I got her something cheaper, you know, sorry, you know, I'm not balling that hard where I can just buy my family a Series S, even though I'd like to. <laughs> Five Game Pass bangers that are horror, number one, Dead by Daylight is a staple whether you're playing alone or playing with friends dead by daylight is a classic game pass horror title signalis if you're if she's a fan of classic throwback survival horror download signalis check that bad boy out grounded obviously if you're playing multiplayer stuff grounded is an absolute must play love it my wife who is not a huge huge gamer per se. <laughs> Her and I have been playing a ton of Grounded. Absolutely adore that game. If you count the spiders and if you count the giant insects, I would say it's horror. There are moments where you go through a dark cave and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm crapping my pants a little bit. So in some moments, Grounded is definitely a horror game. Two more. Oh my God, put me on the spot here. Uh, um, okay, this is tough. There's like hundreds of games and I'm, I'm struggling to think of a few. Um, I don't know if she, hollow knight down down the hollow Knight that that's 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 a must play for sure uh uh i think secret neighbor just left but hello neighbor 2 there you go there, there's five <laughs> okay a few more uh jacob novick in a document to cma we mean it we may got the answer that sony funded final fantasy 7 remake but regardless it had a sticker saying one year timed exclusive on the cover a boom show a friend of him working at the gamestop at the time said they got into promo material for final fantasy 7 for xbox Yes, 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 yes. That is the interesting wrinkle here, is that originally this was a one-year timed exclusive, and we saw some marketing material suggesting an Xbox version was coming. So that is why I believe that the Xbox version now, if, you know, depending on how this all plays out, is being shifted to, okay, well, when Final Fantasy VII Remake is done, you know, because they're milking it for a trilogy. So shout out to the people who love Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, cause you're getting a trilogy out of it. So now I wonder if those are the terms it's exclusive until the, the remake is done, which is now a trilogy. So now you have to wait for three parts. I don't know, but that is interesting. I have seen that marketing material. Um, Oh, Jacob Novick following is this false marketing? I don't know. I don't know what the re- legality is. Cause that wasn't really widespread. So I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe we, we are seeing some gamers, uh, Sue, the sue microsoft over the activision blizzard king deal so if a bunch of gamers want to rally together and sue square enix and playstation well there you go you you got some precedent for it um good luck in that legal battle okay all right am i caught up on the super chats here all right it looks like it appreciate you all so much all right now let's have a little fun now let's get a little wild and weird with it um and let's get into the best and worst games of 2022 okay so there are 10 categories here 10 categories that i've come up with for the best and worst games of 2022 how this segment is going to work very community-centric you are going to be directly involved again one more time for the people joining live if you want to be a part of it if you want your voice literally heard live on the show go in the description of this video Join the discord and join the community Q&A channel. I am hosting a holiday event in there and we're going to be going through these categories. I'm going to say my pick for the title and then I'm going to call on a community member to give their pick for these 10 categories. So as we're going through to give you some time to mentally prepare for what's next, the 10 categories are the best nightly vibe game for the squad and this is basically your your biggest go-to multiplayer game in 2022 the most satisfying grind your go-to gameplay loop the best open world game the best game nobody played the most hype soundtrack the best six out of ten game the best xbox game pass game the biggest disappointment the worst game of the year and the ultimate game of the year so i'm excited We're going to have a little fun. We're going to see how this works. This is an experiment for me. So I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out, uh, tuning in, and participating here. So let me see here. Let me see if I can, if I got this all set up right here. So if I turn this on, oh, there it is. All right, there's there's the Xbox Chatterdays Holiday Special Discord. All right, there it is. If you want to join in, you want to talk, join the Xbox Chatterdays Discord. Pop in here, and let's see if we can get this going here. So first up. The best nightly vibe game for the squad for me in 2022. It was Fortnite, y'all. And I know what some of you are thinking. What? Fortnite didn't come out in 2022? What are you doing putting on this, this on this list? Listen, I'm with you. I didn't think there was a world where I would be hooked on Fortnite in the year 2022. I played Fortnite at launch, got burnt out, and just ditched, dropped Fortnite like a ton of bricks for years. I came back. Eh, maybe maybe a year and a half two years ago started dabbling you know started dipping my toes in and then when no build dropped i was like oh, okay i like this i didn't like the building of fortnite that was my biggest turn off and now they've just consistently been giving me stuff i want to buy they're sucking money out of me we got ash from evil dead we got doom slayer in here we got geralt in the new pass so i've been grinding and it's just been a nice soothing game when the squad jumps online we don't know what to play we're jumping in Fortnite, and um again i feel weird i feel weird saying it i didn't think i would be saying it but the best nightly vibe game for the squad of 2022 in my eyes is Fortnite. all right so now it's time to call on the community we got Hargi, do you want to do you want to chime in on the best nightly vibe game for the squad if you do Request if not for those watching live, drop it in the chat here and we'll do it that way. Mute myself, Hargeet. What is good? Hey. Hey, 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 how's it going? I'm fantastic. How are you doing on this fine? december 24th 2022
1: <laughs> i'm doing well yeah, good i've been on vacation for like a month <laughs> so, oh yeah and i I'm a, go I'm... back to work on like jan 3 so I've, I've had like six weeks of a vacation so i've just been playing games <laughs>
0: i'm a little jealous good. i'm a little <laughs> <laughs> jealous um all right what do you got for your best nightly vibe game for the squad what's been the go-to for you and the homies uh on your weeknights it's been halo infinite
1: that that's been it right even even with the drought of content it was still so much fun uh we've been doing a whole bunch of community nights uh and then we have suddenly got uh forge and then the co-op campaign and i think i've finished the campaign like 5 6 times now with with uh with many other players who haven't played it and some who just wanted to get it on legendary and mythic um you know so that's been a lot of fun and some of the forge creations have been just amazing So that's been it.
0: (laughs) That's been it's been really cool to see Halo have its moment, have have the cool comeback arc and to see people really connecting with Forge and to see people diving back into the campaign. I know my squad has jumped back into the the campaign with co-op now, and it's it is it's so great being able to use that grapple hook with friends. Yeah. (laughs) uh, So, yes, Halo Infinite. I'm really excited to see, you know, what. The kickoff of next season looks like for that game. And and hopefully that's the, you know, kind of redemption arc where, you know, a lot of the, you know, criticisms, fair or not, regarding Halo Infinite can kind of dwindle dwindle away and we can just you know, go back hope, to right? <laughs> just being excited about uh, Halo yep. Infinite. So shout out to Halo Infinite, locking down the community pick for the best nightly vibe game for the <laughs> squad. Um, All right, let's go into the most satisfying grind here. The most satisfying grind and my pick for this is one that i think a lot of people are going to resonate with because it came out of nowhere and just consumed people's lives and that's vampire survivors because my god the gameplay loop of vampire survivors is is straight crack it is just the one of the most raw addicting to the point where it's probably unhealthy like it got to the point where I just had to uninstall Vampire Survivors because I was just playing it too much, and I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm losing four hours a night just getting sucked into this game. I need to stop." Uh, that being said, throw back to Castlevania, beautiful, love it, so damn good. Vampire Survivors, you are the most satisfying grind of twenty twenty two. Argeet, uh, what do you got? You got any any picks for that? Was that was my answer too. <laughs> It That's came I, out of nowhere and I got
1: recommended it and I started playing it and I didn't I just couldn't stop. It's so good. It's think,
0: stupid, but it's so good. You just dude, keep playing it. <laughs> it is. You just walk. Like I remember somebody yep. explaining the game to me, and they're like, you just walk around and stuff happens. I'm like, that sounds stupid. What is that? You just walk? You don't even get to like manually attack me. No, it's an auto nope. battler roguelite, and you just walk. I'm like Yeah, it's so good. Okay. I like Castlevania, so I'll try it, whatever. And then sure enough, dude, everyone I knew in within like two days was like, holy God, this is so good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Vampire Survivors, I think that is a great pick across the board. All right. Next category, the best open world game. Everybody wants to be an open world game now. Pokemon, Elden Ring, everybody and their mother has said, you know what? Open world games, that's it. That's all we're doing. That's the future now. So there's been a lot of competition for open world games. My pick for best open world game in 2022 is... surprising if you follow me on twitter elden ring um from software love them adore them they've had big sprawling open-ish rpgs for a while but elden ring was their swan song into full-on open world and so because of that it was an absolute slapper absolute banger the one of the best open world experiences i've played in my life um one of the best transitions into the open world formula. I put it on the same level of Breath of the Wild in terms of just raw impact for, this, for the uh, industry. Um, we got Mr. Joanna Dark in the chat here chiming in. All right, Mr. Joanna Dark, what do you got for the best game nobody played? Or, sorry, the best open world game.
2: <laughs> can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Perfect. I can't. What's Best. good? Welcome, welcome, all. Okay.
3: <laughs> Best open world game I played this year. I'm going to have to go with um, Dying Light 2.
0: Dying Light 2?
3: I, I think it's a very underrated game, and I think it did a lot of things that improved upon the first game. And I love the, the world building in the game, and kind of like the characters, and kind of how they slowly give you some of that, that, that lore. And just killing zombies never gets old.
0: Love that. It's a game that has been in my wish list for a while. It came out, again, sadly, just right before Elden Ring, so I knew I wasn't going to have time to play this <laughs> big open-world game. And then again, it's just been this onslaught of games ever since. So it's 30 bucks right now as part of the Xbox countdown sale. I'm looking at it. I'm eyeballing it pretty hard. Um, haven't given that a shot. Hargit, you got any other picks, any other shouts, or do I you agree with either was- of these?
1: Mine was Elden Ring as well. I mean, it's just, it came out of, you know, for me, like, nowhere as well, because I never play Soulsborne games, so, uh, and then it just, like, was this massive world of craziness. <laughs> so, it, it was definitely the one.
0: It's, again, much like Skyrim, the the moment. Elden Ring had this moment where everyone, yep. everyone was playing it, people you have never... I had friends I hadn't talked to in a straight decade hitting me up on Facebook saying, hey, dude, you play an Elden Ring? I'm like... You're goddamn right I'm playing Elden Ring, but I'm happy to see that you're playing Elden Ring. <laughs> okay, next category is the best game that nobody played. And this is pretty much a game that was, you know, overlooked, underappreciated. My pick. It came, it came out in January of this year, got really overshadowed by a lot of high-profile titles, and that's Nobody Saves the World. If you haven't played it and you're an Xbox Game Pass subscriber, um, check it out. If you have any interest in top-down Zeldas, if that's ever been something you've appreciated, absolutely, this is an absolute must-play. It is probably the best game that Drinkbox has ever put out, and it really didn't get the, the same pop that stuff like Guacamelee did. So, nobody saved the world from me. Just one of the most overlooked, underappreciated games of 2022, and i talked to so many people who have not played it. Gentlemen! Actually, wait, we got, do we have a new challenger approaching? That Kay Asante in the house. You wanna you wanna chime in on the best game nobody played? Hmm?
3: I wish we had Everborn because nobody plays Sonic.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow. The slander in here. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Let's let's get Kay Asante in the house. Let's let's get this party pop. Appreciate y'all hanging out. Yo, what do you got for m- the best game nobody played in uh, 2022? Can you hear me? sure can
2: oh fantastic so first off thank you for letting me on the show love the show the best game nobody played for 2022 especially on xbox immortality
0: immortality yes i'm a i'm a i'm part of the problem i haven't played immortality i i want to i've had so many people tell me that i need to play it um
2: bro i'm telling you this was like what was it a week ago i was i was part of the problem as well a week ago i saw xbox was doing one of the game pass uh uh what do you call it the the quests you know play immortality or load it up and get get little points i'm like "Eh, i'm not above it i'll load it up three hours later i am still playing that game it is amazing i have it now downloaded i may finish it before the end of 2022 it is really good and nobody played it
0: I need to. I it's it's been installed since it launched. Day 1 I installed it and said this looks weird as hell. I'm so ready for it. I had people DMing me saying, "Dude, you have to play Immortality. This is 100% your your shit." And I still haven't played it. So, gentlemen, any any other shout-outs for games that people need to like find some time either before the end of 2022 or going into 2023 that they they need to play.
3: Um, I would have to say One of my favorites is Neon White. Uh, This game came out of nowhere for me. I started watching videos and then it was one of those games kind of like with Vampire Survivor, which just hooked me trying to beat my my best time and just not only just the level design of how you would think after X amount of levels, things would get very repetitive, but it has amazing level design and it has this like hook that just keeps you wanting to beat your score. And the story overall is amazing. So um, if you can, uh, I would recommend, highly recommend Neon White to anyone.
0: Neon White, love it. That loop, that is the one more one more time loop and in its yep. purest form. The dialogue, I mashed A through it. You know, sue uh, me. I, th- I thought on, the Miles. visual novel uh, portion of it was just that, that was my obnoxious. favorite part. <laughs> so your boy was just mashing A through all the dialogue. And then when that gameplay hit, ooh, oh yeah
2: you know something Sorry, I'm, rem- with you. I'm with you miles i'm with you. no the game <laughs> reminded me
3: of reservoir dogs in the sense of how the characters oh, wow. are portrayed with the different colors if you have seen reservoir dogs mm-hmm. so it kind of gave me that vibe and i just like the whole thing about you're a demon hunter trying to stay in heaven and then kind of finding the overall plot i mean i guess i play those kind of like danganronpa games so you know for me it's okay. kind of yeah danganronpa, which is what i'm playing now um, yeah danganronpa is awesome
1: <laughs> so i would recommend two uh trek to yomi which i think did get a little traction but i think that one's pretty good if people missed that one try that out and then as dusk falls which was another great yeah. for xbox
0: i've seen a um, lot of people in the chat shouting out as dusk falls so just, yeah so that's that's yeah. a really great narrative game to play with friends too exactly and, and it seemed to you know to catch people by surprise
1: if they tried it out that the story was pretty good it gripped you immediately and you started playing oh, through it one last well, guess
2: so. from me midnight fight express
0: Midnight the... Fight Oh yes. yeah that's oh a my very God. quiet launch with
2: nobody played that and it's amazing I know it's doing Sifu better than Sifu, I get it uh, Sifu killed it oh. as far as the evolution of the em up and all that but still Midnight Fight Express deserves some respect uh, I'll I'll
3: give another one um it's called The Night Witch I just played this this past week The Night Witch is basically a Metroidvania 2D style game with mixed with the bullet hell um amazing story basically about these witches that kind of get mutated kind of like the witcher and their powers are based off of people believing in them and it's like a really deep story and an addicting gameplay where it's kind of it feels like doom where you kind of go into a section and it becomes kind of an arena and you're trying to figure out how to take all the enemies without getting hit so it's pretty cool it's called the night witch
0: the night witch yeah a lot of great picks there let's let's move on to our next category which is the most hype soundtrack not the best soundtrack, no, the oh most no. hype soundtrack, the soundtrack that got you the most amped when you were in the game. For me, this is a two-way tie. This is a two-way tie between Elden Ring, because that title track is, I don't, it is one of the best pieces of video game music ever created, hands down, bar none. When that intro hits, every time I boot up the game, I sit on the title screen until the toms come in and just the huge explosion into the orchestral music mm, my god that gets me amped every time and then number two metal hellsinger, because that entire soundtrack is just raw hype so many of the best metal vocalists of all time on some just truly amazingly written tracks by uh, two feathers this two-person kind of a composition team um god I've I've been listening to that soundtrack on repeat every single day for the last couple of months. Um, so many good tunes. Gents, what do you got for the most hype soundtrack of 2022? So for me,
1: it's uh, it's a cheat because it's Halo Infinite, and because I've just played that campaign again several times, and it brings back like the original Halo soundtrack, and it it just has these feels. I don't know. That's just the way it is. Halo just brings back that those, those Halo feels. Those feels. Yeah, it just it, it just whatever it is like that that original Halo soundtrack that just comes up. it, it just makes you want it, like oh yes here we go Master Chief on his the thing. Uh, so I, for me it's Halo.
0: <laughs> oh, d- shout out another another wicked drum track. Holy crap! The drummer for that soundtrack just goes hard, too hard sometimes. I'm just the dude's just absolutely crushing the toms on some of those tracks. So. Yeah, that soundtrack is is really really damn good.
2: I'm uh, gonna let Mr. Joanna Dark go next because my choice people gonna hate me, and I see some in the chat. Oh, oh,
0: I, I mean, I thought Miles was
3: gonna hate me. I'm gonna say Veronica. I'm, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I would have to. Say, I agree with you, Miles, on Metal Health Singer, but I'm gonna say um, Plague Exile Requiem. The oh. way the music plays, and it just kind of gets you into the into the scene like you know a lot of games sometimes don't get the music right when it comes to like um situations but that soundtrack is just amazing it kind of gets you kind of really invested and and, and very immersed in, into the overall world of that game
0: every time the the strings come in when there's gonna yep. be rats ooh, i just tense up and i'm like oh no it's going down and so that's powerful when you can when two notes of your soundtrack can set the tone of a scene and immediately put you on edge, that's how you know that soundtrack is, is incredible. So yeah, Plague Tale Requiem, mm, mm beautiful.
2: So, All right, so Kasons, not...
0: you're here to upset everyone? Is that what's?
2: Yeah, what's yeah, uh, so those who watch my show and, and know me and my brother, Everborn Saga, we go back and forth a lot, and I know Joanna Dark is gonna jump in on this. I have to say, hate me or not, as visual walkthrough says right Sonic Frontiers, I'm sorry.
0: Sonic Frontier, you know, <laughs> yeah, Sonic know. gets memed on, but it's, it's generally had pretty amazing music. A lot of the new age jazz fusion.
2: <laughs> the soundtrack is excellent. It, it gives you, it harkens you back to the best times of when Sonic was, was at its greatest, you know, and obviously Frontiers is trying to thread the needle on something new while also giving you a nostalgia with their, with their uh, cyber levels and whatnot. And in specific instances, in, the op- in their open zone, it's like whatever. But in those, uh, uh, those old school, hearts back to the old school levels, the 3D that they've done in Frontiers, the music is bar none. It's absolutely excellent. So There we go.
0: Sonic getting some love. All right? I know, so- you know Sonic fans have had it rough, okay? I, I get it. You know, I know there's diehards out there that try to tell me that every Sonic game is good. And I know that's not true. You know that's not true. But oh, it we is- all know that's <laughs> not true. But it is great to see Sonic Frontiers getting some love, getting some recognition.
2: saga is still upset right now because Sonic did not beat Ragnarok in sales by by this Christmas. But I mean, I mean,
3: did you really think that? I mean,
2: it was hilarious that he even argued with me. But I mean, they
3: even put it they even put it at bargain bin prices, like you know, to the point that it's like a cart of milk, and it still didn't beat it.
0: You know, it's you know
2: what. Johanna loves he loves he loves the Sonic slander. Just love the
0: slander. Okay. Next category, this is an interesting one here, and this is one that, you know, I'm excited to talk about, and that's the best 6 out of 10 game of 2022. And this is a game that you enjoy despite its faults. It's a game that has obvious faults that any person can't really ignore, but you still love. You still had a great time with it, or it it resonated with you in in a certain way. For me, it's got to be Dragon Ball The Breakers. This is a weird, Frankenstein, ugly, janky amalgamation of Fortnite and Dead by Daylight set in the Dragon Ball Z universe. Um, It's weird. It's not very pretty to look at, but the gameplay loop is just so fascinating and so unique, and they found this really beautiful way to incorporate what makes Dragon Ball such a, a Iconic franchise and bring it to a genre that I never would have imagined. When this was revealed, the debut trailer dropped and I saw this and I was like, Why on earth are they making this video game? Why is this being made? And I've put in I think sixty hours since it's dropped, something like yeah. I put in way too much time into this. So for me, Dragon Ball the Breakers, the best six out of ten game of twenty twenty two. What you got, gents?
3: Um <laughs> Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say Gotham Knights. Gotham oh, Knights, okay. um, to me, oh, one of the things is, to, it's you know what? You, you got to forget that it's not trying to be uh, Arkham City or any of the Arkham games. It's trying to be its own comic book game. And I love, I don't think WB Montreal gets the credit they deserve when it comes to villains and the overall lore if you're a big comic book fan. And Gotham Knights is amazing. Uh, I love the gameplay loop. I love just kind of just going around and trying to find out more about the story and kind of the world. And even for someone that doesn't read a lot of the Batman comics, getting to learn more about the villains, I think it does a fantastic job. And I think it's overshadowed by some of the other things that kind of, you know, went with, you know, the 30 FPS and so forth. But I think even now with the updates, it's definitely up there. Um and I would I would uh you know recommend it to anyone right now, especially if that's on sale. If on PC it's like twenty five dollars and I think on console it's like thirty nine. But yeah, Gotham Knights is hands down six out of
0: ten. Gotham Knights. Just my buddy gifted me a, a copy of Gotham Knights so we could play it in co-op. So that was my Christmas present for him, from him. So I'm only a few hours in, but it, it's been fun. Despite the 30 FPS we're playing on Series X, despite all of that, I've really enjoyed the overall gameplay loop so far. So I know a lot of people, when that got panned critically, I saw a lot of people speaking about how uh, they're still liking it, despite its flaws. So I think that's a that's a good shout for best 6 out of 10. I mean yeah. miles you
3: pay Pokemon for at two frames a second, so
0: Exactly. You know, you know I'm not I'm not gonna um, sh- skirt at thirty FPS. So I mean Gotham Knights was yeah, go was a go ahead
2: good ahead. answer. Yeah. You, yeah. Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. So
1: Yeah. You want me to go or you wanna go? <laughs> yeah,
2: no, you go, you go, hundred <laughs> percent. Right.
1: Yeah, so Gotham Knights was gonna be my but I but uh there's a new one that just came out that also has a very low rating that apparently is very good that I haven't even had you a chance to start yet, which is High on Life. High um, on you, Life
3: oh, oh my god, yes.
2: I knew it.
1: Sorry, sorry, not, Yeah, yeah. So apparently that is—I mean, everybody who's played it and finished it—they're like, "This is a great, great game." And unfortunately, it's uh, it, it it maybe just didn't resonate as far as the humor or something, and uh and somehow it, it's been critically kind of bombed. And then you know, but for those who've played it, they seem to like it, right? So you either you—it's either t- terrible for you—you you just can't you can't stand the humor, uh, or it it resonates enough and you you play through it and it, and it works. But
2: I finished. Yeah, that the that's the other one. Gotham Knights would be my answer. Amazing game. A high on life absolutely amazing game i i don't understand that the the score i get that humor subjective and all that but even as a, a competent just a shooter alone it is a doom shooter literally a doom eternal right with yeah. goofy skin and and lots of humor i don't understand that that, that score it's ridiculous it i've should never be at least a seven if not an eight if i've
3: not, never watched not. rick and morty and i, I I started watching Rick and Morty after playing this game because the humor is just like, oh my God. It's just, it's similar so far from what I've seen with Rick and Morty. So um, I like Trev- uh, what is it, Trover Saves the Universe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was fantastic in VR. Um, I thought it was hilarious. So that's another great one.
0: Yeah. Shout out to since, High on since Life.
2: You guys, since you guys sold mine, I guess the, the last one I'll do, which, which still kind of counts, Evil West.
0: Evil West? Yeah. yeah that's yes. another great six out of 10 shout right there
2: absolutely it, it, it's it's really fun it's you know 360 game in the best way possible people people thought that that was a pejorative it's not it's a feature not a bug it's really fun it's it you know you go on you, you kill monsters you know brainless hit hit next when when the when the uh the the cutscenes start because you don't care just keep going <laughs> it's just good.
0: you're just there to kill demons let's get, and sometimes yeah. That's all we want that's sometimes that's all we need all right it doesn't need to be over overly complicated doesn't need to change the world forever Sometimes it just needs to come out and be fun. All right, and I think high on life is another great example of that because Like you mentioned the, the gameplay itself is so good. I was so impressed. It's a basically like a Metroidvania shooter like you get guns and those guns give you new platforming powers that allow you to traverse areas You couldn't get to before so if you're a fan of that loop like getting new powers and experimenting with weird, quirky guns, uh, so good. You can beat it in, if you just do the main story. You can do it in six hours too, so it does not overstay its welcome. I beat it in about eight hours. Did some of the side stuff, and ugh, so good, so so good. Um, okay, I'm gonna get to a quick super chat here before we move on to the next one, um, and that is from Jacob Novik, who says. Thoughts on Nick saying that he has heard that Xbox may want to make another deal with Atlas to release Shin Megami Tensei 4, 5, and 6 on Xbox. Uh, That's, yeah, I've, obviously, anyone who follows me knows I've been very vocal about Xbox in Japan, how Xbox can improve in Japan, what franchises they could and should be targeting. Shin Megami Tensei is another one. Original Xbox did have one Shin Megami Tensei game release only in Japan, but since then, the franchise has never been on the platform those would be great gets and those would again further show their commitments to japan and that market so i think those are smart moves i think those are moves they could get without spending millions and millions of dollars and i think that would be another way to 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 show your japanese fans that you are serious about the franchise that they love because we get caught up in our bubble of like oh i'm from the us i don't care about japanese games or i don't care about x games whatever but the reality is if xbox wants to be a global brand Xbox wants to have a global presence. They don't have the luxury of ignoring certain fan groups or certain uh, markets. And it's just something they haven't been the most consistent with. So, great get. I don't have any insight as to whether or not that's happening. Next category Best Xbox Game Pass Game. And this is a game that launched in Xbox Game Pass in 2022. And for me, the best Xbox Game Pass game of 2022 is Grounded, baby absolutely adore grounded it is i'm a huge fan of survival games played arc hundreds and hundreds of hours every time there's a new survival game whether it be green hell whether it be uh the upcoming nightingale whether it be you know any any survival game lost oasis i played a bunch of i'm a sucker for the survival loop and grounded is one of the most tightly produced and polished and just infectiously fun survival games that i've ever played love the setting to death one of my favorite video game worlds of the last several years so authentic so fun and it's not afraid to just be itself and i think that is you know it got you know some flack for being cartoony or whatever but i i adore the art style and i adore grounded so for me grounded best xbox game pass game of 2022.
1: So if I had to pick one, um, you know, I, I would say let's go with the highest meta-rated game that went in there, and that would be Persona, which I haven't even started yet. But Persona Ooh. 5 got to be the best Xbox Game Pass game that came in
0: this year. That is one of the highest-rated JRPGs of all time. So, yeah, it's like a mid-90s, right? 95 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so that's an absolute banger! Day one in Xbox Game Pass. All right, what's next? What else we got for best Xbox Game Pass game?
2: I mean... I mean, how about the greatest game that released this year—the the goat known as Vampire Survivors? Sorry, ooh, Vampire Survivors. Come on now.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of you're anyway, not the only that. one. A lot of people were saying, "Yo, Vampire Survivors needs to be in consideration for Game of the Year. Needs Absolutely. to
2: be. Absolutely, it it is the 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 quintessential. The if it's a it's an award based on games, and games obviously mean gameplay. This is bar none the 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 purest form of gameplay. And it's so deep, you just don't know it because it looks goofy and it looks, you know, it looks Neo Geo 8-bit or whatnot. But still, you know, if you get into it, those who have been playing it and, and and I think, shout out to Mr. Boomstick, he's like 100 hours in, I'm like 50 some odd hours in. It is insane how much depth this one, this weird 2D thing has, how much depth it has. So yes, definitely. I, I think it's a crime for any award show any awards not to even have that into consideration. So definitely uh Vampire Survivors.
0: Vampire Survivors. Any other shouts for best Xbox Game Pass game?
3: Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Plague's Tale Requiem. Uh Ooh! I think I think this game vastly improved of the original one. And it did something that um I don't think many games do. You know, I'm going to quickly say Last of Us, I think is one of those games, part two, that makes you kind of really feel the, the weight of things. And I feel that Plague Tale Requiem made you feel the weight of what Amicia was feeling. And when you're you know taking someone's life and kind of just kind of survive, what that feels like in a sense of what the character is. So I think it did a great overall. And I love a lot of the characters you get to meet throughout the adventure and the overall just experience.
0: That's a great shout. That game was emotional, impactful. It delivers that single-player compelling narrative that a lot of Xbox fans have wanted. Um, that was a great, great pick for Game Pass. And I'm really excited that they were able to secure that day and day. Because it was in the nominations for Game of the Year this year. And for, and, for good reason.
3: And what Asobo's done overall on a
0: technical level is just incredible. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. All right, next category. You know, this shows mostly positive, And it will mostly stay positive we got to talk about a couple categories that, you know, are unfortunate, but they're part of the the conversations of gaming in any given year. And the first category is the biggest disappointment. The game you are either excited about or a game that just completely under-delivered for you as a player. Mine might be controversial. I don't know. But my biggest disappointment of 2022 was Overwatch 2. Um, Overwatch 2, I'm just butchering this whole, I'm sorry. Overwatch 2 is a sequel in the most cynical way possible. It is a sequel only in marketing bucks, and it's a sequel only in technicality. It doesn't deliver anything much in the way of new features. It rebalanced the game. It took away the player count. It will eventually add PVE features. I know it's technically in beta, but the marketing machine behind this even leaned into the fact that it was Overwatch, but with a two, and that was just... I know they made it free to play. I know that they shaved it, but really, all that highlights is how how much they completely fumbled and mismanaged the original Overwatch. Because Overwatch could just have be- had a better consistent support and a better consistent rollout of content, and then we wouldn't be in this weird situation where Overwatch Two is a is this is this thing. They could have also just re-released Overwatch as free to play, like we've seen so many other ongoing games do. But instead. The old school Activision, the old school marketing money just said, you know what? This has to be a sequel because we put a number at the end and people are excited about it. And so um, they didn't add much in terms of characters. They didn't add much in terms of content. They didn't add much to keep me excited. And I actually don't really even like the balance of 5v5 versus the 6v6 anymore. So... I played it for a couple weeks at launch and then became incredibly frustrated and just put it down. And I've now uninstalled it. So I don't see myself going back to Overwatch 2 in the foreseeable future. Hugely disappointed. Um, and that's mine.
2: Uh, you... let, me, let me give y'all mine real quick before, before I'm, it's stolen. And, and it was this year. People fe- seem to forget. Well, people, people probably want to forget. Crossfire X, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh. Crossfire X. I'm just going to give it to you. <laughs> it didn't give any anything <laughs> uh, i will say it started off uh i was interested when it when it when it first uh when it, when it was first announced because believe it or not the original crossfire still is one of the most played games in the world just by sheer mm-hmm. numbers yeah you know and and when a game first started and the idea was there and you you know you hear remedies doing the the campaign and you know and i i eventually played remedies campaign which was really i won't say it was bad but it was unusual right it's not it's not what you expect from these uh, uh potential uh um call, call of duty likes if you will uh, if that's a genre on itself but yeah ultimately the game was a, a huge disappointment like uh technical issues just just balancing issues the, the 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 potential weapons that they give you and the the, the features and the i guess you could call it magic there's some magic in there you know it's it's just very very strange some of the decisions they made and then technically it also came out really bad so i i hear there's been many many updates and, and people are some people are still playing it but yeah i don't think that stank will ever get off of that name uh you know to to, to turn it around there's a world where you have games like like no man's sky which which uh renovate and, and change their perception I don't, I don't foresee Crossfire ever getting to that place, so I would say Crossfire is the worst of it.
0: RIP. What else we got for biggest disappointment of, of 2022?
2: Ooh, I think that's the worst uh, one. <laughs> I mean, that so, is no, the
3: worst. So does it have to be Xbox?
2: Anything,
1: oh, right?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So me personally, and I want to make sure that way there's no mis- misunderstanding. To me, it was Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, but no, no, but let me explain real quick.
0: Wow. You're stoking the console. Okay. Wars. I,
3: I, I came off the high of loving the first one after I tried okay. it. I sat down and played it. I was like, oh my god, it's phenomenal, and I was hyped. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the same thing that I had with the first one, it just didn't. It's a beautiful game, but it just didn't capture me. And for some reason, I can't seem to, to like really be captivated by Aloy, and I think Aloy's the issue. I am probably going to go back and play it at some point again. But I just moved on to Dying Light 2. And it wasn't what I th- the high that I felt for the first one after finishing it. Going into this one, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to find out. And then I got into it 20 hours in, and I was like, oh, man, let me just come back another, for, uh, another time.
2: I am 200-plus hours into that game because my daughter just loves all those monsters that we get <laughs> nice. to fight. Like.
3: Well, yeah, the, the fighting is great. Again, I like the overall concept. It's basically Monster Hunter with a great story but it's just for some reason it just something about it just doesn't get me and again this is just a me problem I think oh, don't, don't um, get
2: me wrong brother you're not the first person to say this to me it is funny when it when it is said but you're not the first person to tell me that it, it is your worst game of the years so yeah some people just I, it I, didn't connect it and sense. I
3: want to make it clear you know I play all types of games it just wasn't for me but I guarantee you I'm going to be a fraud Maybe a year from now. <laughs> just like I did with the first one. And I'm gonna go play it. I'm uh, gonna be like, oh my god. Uh, this was this was incredible once I got past the point of, you know, that I wasn't as entertained. And and I'm an, and hey, it is what it is, right? That's what happens sometimes.
0: All right. Uh what yeah. else we got on there?
1: So uh, I've got one that people will really get annoyed with. Sonic for uh, Tears. I did not like Plague Tale Requiem. I liked oh the first my god. one. Oh. Okay, I did okay. Okay. not stand Here we go. the second one. Uh, so for me, that was the biggest disappointment. Hargi, was it um,
3: Hugo? Hugo that turned you off? Whoa, whoa! I, <laughs> I,
1: it wasn't Hugo. It was, I, like, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but in the first one, you're building up the universe so you understand why you're kind of doing the things you're doing. In the second one, I just don't get the motivation, right? When When you're, and it's hard to not give away things, but all these people are being affected, and you're like, there's a simple solution to this. Why is this not just the obvious answer? Why is this game, why does it even exist? Right. And especially with the ending, I just, I don't get what the whole point of the game was. It also did not feel like a stealth game. It made you fight. And I'm, I'm like, this is, it's just so different from what I expected from the first that i j- i couldn't i hated it i hated the experience no, so hurry. for me that was yeah no no spoilers
0: big... when you when you talk j-
1: that's it. what i'm saying i don't want to spoil no. anything but no. but like
3: the whole premise of the game just did not sit with me at all to me recommend it's not even spoiler <laughs> it gave me the thing of you know what do you what well, how far would you go for someone that you love when you know what the outcome has to be or everyone tells you something um and you're trying and i guess to me as someone who enjoyed it it was The growth also of Amicia, seeing her as a person who was sort of vulnerable in the first game to now kind of turning into that point where um, she's, you know, this person that's trying to protect the person she loves. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, hey, it's understandable. Some people cannot like it or not.
1: I mean, there's another one I would say that was kind of disappointing to me, but it wasn't a big disappointment. was Rainbow Six Extraction. I was kind of hoping for more from that, but that kind of fizzled. But... Yeah, (laughs)
0: yeah, Yeah, that game was fun. I think my expectations for that were very low. So I guess I wasn't that disappointed (laughs) because I expected it to be a big dud and it ended up being okay. So pleasantly surprised by that one. Okay, next category. And this is going to be a controversial one. As always, people are going to be, you know, hot and heavy and have their thoughts. But we got to talk about the worst game of 2022. And mine for me is obvious. It is one of the most confusing games I've ever played. It's one of the biggest misses that I've experienced in my entire career playing video games. It's a game from a studio and a develop- or I should say from a publisher that has been on fire and absolutely crushing it time and time again. And that is Resident Evil Ariverse. So Ariverse, if you're unfamiliar, was supposed to ship with Resident Evil Village as the multiplayer kind of spin-off side companion game for Resident Evil Village. It is a arena, deathmatch-style game where you get to play as Resident Evil heroes, and then when you die, you transform into a monster. And it's got a bunch of iconic monsters like Nemesis and, and Jack from Resident Evil 7. And so the overall concept is silly and fun. Um, it's in RE Engine, um, and it is just one of the... It's one of the worst looking things in RE Engine. It is definitely the worst playing game I've ever experienced in the RE Engine. And it is a multiplayer experience that, and this is going to sound harsh, and I don't really mean it to be just, I'm not saying it just to be mean. I don't know how it was signed off on. I don't. I genuinely don't understand how Capcom, of all publishers, said, okay, we're going to put this out. Um and it was unbelievably bad. It's got my lowest review score ever. It wasn't broken. It wasn't, you know, it, it ran fine. Um, but that being said, the overall concept just was a huge miss. A huge miss. So Resident Evil R-iverse is the worst game of the year. I can't think of one that even comes close. But what do you gents got?
1: I think Asante and I are going to have the same one, Crossfire
3: X. <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, I, I, and I was going to go back to Crossfire. But I, I, I gave enough smoke to Crossfire, so my next one was gonna be Babylon's Fall. But please go ahead, Hargit.
1: Yeah, so and, and you're right that for that one too, right? They totally failed within a year, not even like six months. But yeah, I'll I'll say Crossfire. Uh all the hype, uh big name remedy and you know, they did something that I mean they, they don't usually put out games that are uh terrible, they're usually pretty good. Uh and this was just a massive, massive dud.
0: So yeah yeah crossfire did not deliver for a lot of people okay what what else we got any other shouts for worst game of 2022
2: so like i said babylon's fall uh uh, it it looked oh yeah trailers (laughs) it did it looked interesting in the trailers uh i was one of the unfortunate fools that actually bought it before it went downhill and everybody just they started giving it away (laughs) it is what it is you know some some games you you uh uh you know in the world we live in now, uh, unlike back in the day when you really had to do that, you know, you you, you judge the the book by its cover. This time, it looked interesting to me. Ultimately, the the loop was boring. It didn't it didn't work out. It was kind of bland. And I, I picked it up. I was like, ah, I didn't really care about this, and I, I didn't make a big deal out of it because I I tend to only uh, champion games I love. If I don't like something, I put it to the side. I don't really yell about it. But then, of course, I started hearing all yelling, and <laughs> ultimately, the game the game uh, closed up shop right before it it even got going. So there you go. All but right,
3: I, I have home. I have one to add onto the list, and this will probably be controversial. Um, I would say uh Saints Row.
0: Saints Row. Um, a
3: lot of people as, were as,
0: mad about Saints Row.
3: As as a fan of the series, I tried to get into it, and I know there's some quests that people say it's good, but how much how many hours do you have to put in before you you get to the good part? And it just it just didn't feel right. I mean, I understood that it would, they were trying to go kind of um so it could feel a little bit like the original Saints Row, but just overall, it just didn't have that, that oomph, especially after going back and playing the remastered of Saints Row the Third, which is like the best one in the series. I just like, I just, I didn't like it at all. I just thought it was just like a carbon copy open world game of just like generic characters that I just want to punch in the face.
0: Yeah, I put, I put Saints Row in the same category as Crackdown 3, where it's not a very good game with a bad story, um, but if you have the right friends to play it with, the right friend, I should say, it's two-player co-op. It's it's entertaining. Um, but yeah, Saints Row: The Reboot didn't really set a great foundation for the future of the franchise. It didn't really, you know, get Saints Row competing with the Grand Theft Autos of the world. It was just kind of a just good enough open-world sandbox. And um, in this day and age, that's With so many open-world games, that's just not enough for a lot of people, I think. All right, final category. Final category of the show today, and that is the ultimate game of the year. And this is your pick for the game of the year, the best game that you've played this year. For me, again, easy pick, Elden Ring, hands down, game of the year. I'll briefly talk about it, and I've talked about this before, but... The beauty of Elden Ring is the impact it had for the, the games industry as a whole. And having so many people connect and look at this niche, hard-as-hell RPG with cryptic storytelling in a, in a brutal world that just destroys you. What I love most about Elden Ring is the world doesn't revolve around you as the player. You are a a figure. You are a small insignificant insignificant piece of this world and you get to immerse yourself into it those are my favorite games of all time legend of mana one of the main reasons i love that game as well are some of the same reasons i love elden ring is you get to participate in the world you get to participate with these characters and these these things and events happen regardless of where you go or when you choose to go to them and so it just it feels like a living breathing thing that you get a immerse yourself in and be a part of as opposed to the very linear the story is set the story is gonna happen you are a you are watching this story unfold no in elden ring you are the story you are the narrative you are the driving force of this entire experience and and that type of gameplay and that type of game design for me is so important and so impactful and Elden Ring just delivered on so many levels a incredible soundtrack amazing art direction some of the best hand the best color balance in any video game ever every single location every single biome feels distinct feels unique you can remember it you can feel it when you go to caleb for the first time you feel that you feel caleb you feel the, the uncomfortable sense when you see the gold and green you get the sense of wonder and beauty it's man Elden Ring is Probably my game of the generation. I have the game of the decade, at least. This this is such an achievement and such a boon for the industry. So that's my pick for game of the year.
1: Yeah, so mine is a cheat because uh, Halo wasn't considered last year. So uh, for Game Awards, I still think it's Halo Infinite. Having played that campaign over and over for the last uh, month or so, uh, it's still... so good the last two missions where you start seeing all the narrative come out of what happened i mean you just it's so good uh yes it's abruptly stopped uh but we knew that right so but uh but yeah it is it it's still so good um and the gameplay loop in halo is still you know the the campaign part is just so great um so i
3: i'm i'm still going with that
0: Halo Hargy out here padding the Halo Infinite numbers. I see.
3: Yep, <laughs>
2: absolutely.
3: Hey Hargy, I, I loved Halo Infinite, so I, I, I'm a, I agree with you. Yep. So <laughs>
2: thanks. I, I will I will come at you guys with a little different. Since since we have what we have 73 people in here, please don't don't forget to hit that like button, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I would say since there's 73 people in here, chances are 73 people didn't play this game, and it is actually I'm, I'm looking real quick on, um in here, it is one of the highest rated games on Xbox in April, uh, um, when it came out in April. And it's still really high up there. It is one of my favorite genres. Now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a roguelite person. I, I love that stuff. And I'm also really big on indie games. I love when small, one person, two people, three people, small uh, groups make magical things. They set the standard when they made the first one and they moved it forward in the second one. Rogue Legacy 2.
1: Oh, Ooh, man. Yes. Shout. Oh, yeah.
2: man. If you Rogue haven't played legacy, it, people, baby, it. it is amazing, amazing, amazing single uh, single player indie. It is awesome. If you like roguelikes, this is the game for you. It is absolutely fantastic. And yes, because it's roguelike and because it's an indie and because it's 2D, you know, it it won't stand toe-to-toe with the Elden Rings of the World. And actually, I'm like looking at the the list by score right now. Do you know what the number 1 metacritic score like of 2022 is? Not Elden Ring. Well, it's tied. It's Elden Ring and The Portal 2 Portal 1 Companion that came with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are all-time <laughs> classics,
2: And those are classics, of course, of course. Yeah. So, no, but you should if you if you guys haven't tried Rogue Legacy 2, play the first one too cuz the first one's also amazing. But Rogue Legacy 2 this year to me if it's not on anybody's game of the year list, if nothing else, you've heard it, you're going, "Hey, what is that game?" you know, it's being talked about in such glowing regard, go pick it up. It's very good. Fantastic. Rogue
0: Legacy 2. What
2: final pick for ultimate
0: oh. game of the year? Mm-hmm.
3: All right. So I have two, but I'm going to go with the one with my heart that, you know, I need to go and it's going to be Xenoblade Chronicles 3.
0: Oh, it Xenoblade is Xenoblade Chronicles 3
3: as a huge Xenoblade Saga Xenoblade Xenogears um fan Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was basically a culmination of what Monolith has done but what it also did it, it it took a lot of the stuff that kind of hampered the experience when it comes to like quests and everything and it gave you these kind of quality of life um improvements but the story was phenomenal the way it started the messaging um all these different tropes that it, um that, that it threw at you the combat was was fantastic and from start to finish, I was hooked. I mean, I put in hundred and sixty-six hours into that game. And what I loved also that I loved like The Witcher Three was the side quests were meaningful. When you went to get some characters and kind of you wanted to go and find out who the next hero was, so you can add them to your team and kind of mess around. So the only thing I think I would say about that game was towards the end when it fell. I think it fell apart. Where it took me almost an almost an hour to fight the last boss, which I was like, oh man, I'm done. I want to just finish the game but overall i think xenoblade chronicles 3 to me was my game of the year
0: overall personally beautiful I, people were rooting for it it was really cool to see that get some flowers in the nominees this year i know that franchise is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and sound like xenoblade chronicles 3 raised the bar so gents appreciate you hanging out appreciate you joining me um this was a fun little experiment. We'll see if I – I'll do some more of this stuff in the future, but appreciate you guys chiming in, sharing your support. I'm going to shut down the call here and jump back to the show. But if I don't hear from you guys in the interim, have a beautiful holiday, have a beautiful new year, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you Great too.
2: Great show, Thank sir, you. Great show. Have fun. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Yep. Happy, Happy holidays, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: okay that was fun that was a fun little experiment appreciate you guys tuning in i'm gonna do a quick recap of what we have for our official list here so based on the picks of me and the prestigious community here are the best and worst games of 2022 the best nightly vibe game for the squad fortnite halo infinite the most satisfying grind we have vampire survivors just unanimous (laughs) the best open world game we have elden ring and dying light 2 the Best Game Nobody Played, we have Nobody Saves the World, Immortality, Neon du- or Neon White, and As Dusk Falls. The most hyped soundtrack, we have Elden Ring and Metal Hellsinger, and Halo Infinite, A Plague Tale Requiem, and Sonic Frontiers. Lots of love in the music category. Best 6 out of 10 game, Dragon Ball The Breakers, Gotham Knights, High on Life, and Evil West. The best Xbox Game Pass game, we have Grounded, Persona 5 Royal, Vampire Survivors, and A Plague Tale Requiem. The biggest disappointment we have overwatch 2 crossfire x horizon forbidden west and a play a playtale requiem Pfft, i'm that one that one hits hard for me that's hard to read i'm gonna say that i don't i don't condone all of these that's you know there's a distinction with the community picks here i gotta, gotta stress that <laughs> the worst game of the year we have resident evil R- reverse Crossfire x babylon's fall and saints row and the ultimate game of the year we have Elden ring Halo Infinite, Rogue Legacy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It well, was a lot of fun. That was an interesting experiment. I'm glad we got to hang out with the community. Appreciate all those amazing people for tuning in. If you're not familiar with them, they are all incredible figures in the community. They all have amazing shows for the most part. Um, Check them out. Support what they do. Um, one more super chat here from Jacob Novick, who says, I'm excited for something in 2023, a game. It may be delayed, but the, the, the dev, Two Star, has this goal. Choo Choo Charles, a console launch of the Steam game where you're traveling in a train on a rail track and now they're trying to kill an evil spider train. Yes, Choo Choo Charles, uh, viral hit. If you haven't seen that, such a weird, cool idea uh, where, yes, you are fighting an evil spider train. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I think that is going to do it for... This week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays and the final episode of Xbox Chatterdays of the year as we head towards the end. If you have any final questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. Um, actually, sorry, before I wrap this up, hold on. I need to remember because we have this fancy new discord, we have a burning questions section of the show. So towards the back end of the show, now I'm going to take questions from our discord, an array of questions. Curated from our amazing discord members. So sorry, we're not quite done We're almost done here, but i'm gonna get to a couple questions and then we're gonna wrap this up first up We have norm skeeson and sorry if I butcher these um If xbox do give us an early showcase next year or more frequent direct style updates You think it's likely that they'll stick with the 12-month release roadmap at e3 Or will they go back to using that particular event to show off games coming out further down the line? that's an interesting question what i imagine is going to happen is a mix of both they are going to have more frequent showcases which are designed to showcase the short term get people excited about the short-term future and then they can leverage the bigger showcases for um new announcements stuff that may be further out i think in terms of gameplay um their approach generally speaking is if you're seeing gameplay it's probably coming in 12 months and so that's why some of the stuff that we've had announced we haven't seen gameplay for because we don't know quite when it's coming but I think going into the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase next year, um, I think it'll be more of a mix of both. That being said, I did like the 12-month format. I just hope if they don't do that, that they have something in the interim that says, these are the games you're playing in the next three months or six months or whatever cadence they decide is. Um, I think quarterly would be ideal, but I know that is a lot of work and tough to produce. Um, and then Phantom King asked about the Final Fantasy VII Deluxe Edition, which was labeled as a timed exclusive. We did talk about that, so if you missed that, circle back to the midway point of the show. We did talk about that. And one more question for Norm Skisan. Do you think that the rumored passion project from Tango Gameworks that is said to be getting shown at the upcoming Xbox showcase will be the non-horror game that Shinji Mikami expressed interest in making? So if you're unfamiliar with this rumor, I think, I believe it was Jeff Grubb, um, maybe some others have talked about you know, the obviously the rumored upcoming Xbox showcase and a, a smaller scale pentiment-ish project from Tango Gameworks potentially being there. I will say I don't really have any additional information on that. That being said, um, if that is the case, I think Microsoft has been using, you know, that titles like pentiment, titles like Grounded to you know get some goodwill earn some trust earn some respect from these teams who have passion projects who have these ideas that ha- they haven't been able to deliver on in the past and they're using the new vessel of xbox game pass and xbox game studios to facilitate those so if you have a legacy team like tango gameworks that's excited about a project lean into that and i think if if they do have something that they're excited about and passionate about making that smaller scale i think that's a great way to use leverage to lift that up and and give those teams the opportunities to express themselves in different ways as opposed to the the formulaic this is a triple a game it needs to be x y and z sorry cuz that's just kind of the way it is with with big games um that being said that's it for this week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays and the final Xbox Chatterdays episode of 2022 one more time I'll be cheesy um thank you all so much for supporting the show for hanging out for for dropping questions for for joining in live for you know dropping super chat equivalents um, you know this this channels new it's been going a little over a month now But to be already at 1.1 1, 1, thousand subscribers in a relatively short period of time means a lot It's it's cool that people care about what I'm doing. So appreciate you if you are new you haven't subscribed um, Feel free to hit that subscribe button uh, to the audio listeners who support the show I appreciate you listening on your own time and same with the video on demand folks I understand that not everyone can be here live but I do appreciate that the hundreds and hundreds of people who tune in after the fact and, and listen to the show so Thank you all so much. Appreciate you. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Have an amazing holiday break, and I'll talk to you all very soon. Take care.